you hear me now? Yes. All right, all right. Well, so good to see you. What a great, uh, what a great uh, turnout this morning. Uh, you know, you kind of don't know what's going to happen um, on a, a morning after so many of you have been here um, last night or maybe on Friday night, uh, but we're so grateful that you have uh, chosen to join us. And I've uh, been thinking um, over these last few weeks that since this Christmas season has begun, and just like every year, there's probably one word that comes across our lips more uh, than any other, especially this morning, especially if you have kids. And I don't think it's the word joy or the word carol or the word tree. I think it's the word gift. Gift. Christmas uh, in our celebration is so very much about gifts. And of course, it's always a reminder that we need to give ourselves. Sometimes in the giving of the gifts, we forget that it all goes back to the original Christmas gift, which is God's son, Jesus, whose birth we actually celebrate on Christmas Day. And so what I want us to do this morning is just think very briefly, a few moments, about one verse. And it's actually one of my favorite Christmas verses Because it's not found in a Christmas setting. It's not found in one of the Gospels. Um, Because uh, it's in a different place, you may not think of it as a Christmas verse. But it really is. It really ought to be on every Christmas carol and every Christmas card. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. And I would like us to just read it out together. Can you do that with me? Just read it together. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I want you to think about this for a moment. Uh, Paul is probably as brilliant a man who's ever lived, or as profound a thinker. He was an incredible communicator. He, he wrote more New Testament books than anyone else. And after Jesus, he's probably, we would have to say, the greatest theological mind ever. But Paul cannot think of a word to describe this gift. Just indescribable. In fact, he, he uses a word we don't find anywhere else in the Bible. Uh, we, we would say today he coins a word. He kind of makes a word up. And, and so you have to ask the question, why is it indescribable? I mean, it's just a baby, right? We've all seen a baby before. There were babies, other babies born that night, probably lots of them. Why was Jesus' birth so indescribable? And Jesus' birth was indescribable because it was not like any other birth that has ever taken place before or since or ever will in the future. And so I'm gonna give you two reasons why this is true, and then we're gonna celebrate the Lord's Supper. Here's the first reason. This gift was indescribable because this baby was God. We need to keep reminding ourselves of this. It is so mind-blowing. It's so easy for us just to kind of brush over that. But every Christmas, especially today, you should just let your mind sit in this place and try to think about what this must mean. Jesus is God. And he was God from the moment he was conceived and the moment he was born, born of a virgin, Yet fully human, this baby was God in the flesh. So that means on that first Christmas night, the creator of the universe lay helpless in an animal feed box. So how do you describe that? 
Well, this is how John describes it in the first uh, few verses of his gospel. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Ken Geyer has written uh, what I think is one of the most beautiful descriptions of the first Christmas that I've ever read. It's in his book that's entitled Intimate Moments with the Savior. I want you to listen to him try to describe the indescribable. He writes, for the census, the royal family has to travel 85 miles. Joseph walks while Mary, nine months pregnant, rides side saddle on a donkey, feeling every jolt, every rut, every rock in the road. By the time they arrive, the small hamlet of Bethlehem is swollen from an influx of travelers. The inn is packed, people feeling lucky if they were able to negotiate even a small space on the floor. Now it is late, everyone is asleep, and there is no room. But fortunately, the innkeeper is not all shekels and mites. True, his stable is crowded with his guest animals, but if they could just squeeze out a little privacy there, they were welcome to it. Joseph looks over at Mary, whose attention is concentrated on fighting a contraction. We'll take it, he tells the innkeeper without hesitation. The night is still when Joseph creaks open the stable door. As he does, a chorus of barn animals makes discordant note of the intrusion. The stench is pungent and humid as there have not been enough hours in the day to tend the guests, let alone the livestock. A small oil lamp lent them by the innkeeper flickers for a woman in the throes of childbirth, far from home, far from family, far from what she had expected for her firstborn. But Mary makes no complaint. It is a relief just to finally get off the donkey She leans back against the wall, her feet swollen, back aching, contractions growing stronger and closer together. Joseph's eyes dart around the stable, not a minute to lose. Quickly, a feeding trough would have to make do for a crib. Hay would serve as a mattress. Blankets, blankets, ah, his robe. That would do. And those rags hung out to dry would help. A a, a gripping contraction doubles Mary over and sends him racing for a bucket of water. The birth would not be easy, either for the mother or the child. For every royal privilege for this son ended at conception. A scream from Mary knifes through the calm of that silent night. Joseph returns, breathless, water sloshing from the wooden bucket. The top of the baby's head has already pushed its way into the world. Sweat pours from Mary's contorted face as Joseph, the most unlikely midwife in all Judea, rushes to her side. The involuntary contractions are not enough and Mary has to push with all her strength, almost as if God were refusing to come into the world without her help. Joseph places a garment beneath her and with a final push and a long sigh, her labor is over. The Messiah has arrived elongated head from the constricting journey through the birth canal, light skin as the pigment would take days or even weeks to surface, mucus in his ears and nostrils, wet and slippery from the amniotic fluid. The son of the most high God tied umbilically to a lowly Jewish girl 
The baby chokes and coughs and Joseph instinctively turns him over and clears his throat and then he cries and Mary bears her breast and reaches for the shivering baby. She lays him on her chest and his helpless cries subside. His tiny head bobs around on the unfamiliar terrain. This will be the first time the infant king nurses. Mary can feel his racing heartbeat as he gropes to nurse. Deity nursing from a young maiden's breast. Could anything be more puzzling or more profound? Joseph sits exhausted, silent, full of wonder. The baby finishes and sighs. The divine word reduced to a few unintelligible sounds. And then, for the first time, his eyes fix on his mother's. Deity straining to focus, the light of the world squinting. Tears pool in her eyes. She touches his tiny hand and hands that once sculpted mountain ranges cling to her finger. She looks up at Joseph and through a watery veil their souls touch and he crowds closer cheek to cheek with his betrothed. Together they stare in awe at the baby Jesus whose heavy eyelids begin to close. It has been a long journey. The king is tired. And so with barely a ripple of notice God stepped into the warm lake of humanity. Thus in the little town of Bethlehem That one silent night, the royal birth of God's son tiptoed quietly by as the world slept. Indescribable. The baby was God. There's a second reason. This gift was indescribable because this baby was born to die. He was born to die. As remarkable as it is that God sent his son into the world to live among men, it's even more remarkable he sent his son into the world to die for men. The angel's message to Joseph has stated this, Matthew 1:21. Mary will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And have you ever asked yourself that question? I mean, why was Jesus born? Why did he come? What was the reason for the incarnation? And the ultimate answer is Jesus was born so he could die. The goal of the manger was the cross. Those soft baby hands that Mary kissed so gently that night were made so that thick nails might be driven through them. Those chubby, tender baby feet were made so that they could one day be nailed to a cross. Those tender lips which Mary traced with her fingers one day would cry out in agony, oh God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That tiny body wrapped that night in swaddling clothes would one day be torn open by a Roman spear because Jesus was born to die. Why was he born to die? Well, because we're all sinners, amen? And we all need a savior, amen? Amen. 
The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and God gave us a perfect world and we broke that world. We, 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 we fell from his grace, his original grace. We cut ourselves off from the giver of life and, and so we die. And the Bible tells us uh, that the wages of sin is death. We cannot fix what we broke. And so we owe a debt that we cannot pay. But the good news is that's not the end of the story. God's indescribable gift offers us life if we will receive it. The most familiar verse in the Bible probably is John three sixteen, And it also is about gift, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. See, the good news of Christmas is because of God's indescribable gift, we can have eternal life. We can live forever. We can know God's peace and joy and favor, just like the angels sang. And wouldn't you agree, that is an indescribable gift. Through the gift of this baby, God's own son, the Father offers us forgiveness and freedom, he offers us life eternal. He offers us all that we would ever want, all that we would ever need. He gives us himself. And all we need to do is just receive it. Just receive the gift so freely offered. And we do that, the Bible says, by repenting of our sins and believing in Jesus Christ, God's son, who came to this earth to reveal the Father, who died on the cross, to save us from our sins, who reigns on high, who lives forever so that we too might live forever with him. Have you received the gift? If you haven't, we pray that you will today and any one of our pastors would be so happy to talk with you if you'd like to. If you have received the gift, then we must give thanks. Amen? Amen. We give thanks for God's indescribable gift. And I wanna close this message out the way we open it by saying uh, the words of that beautiful verse together, 2 Corinthians 9, 15. Can we read it together one more time? Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Would you bow your heads as we pray together? God, we, we believe in the one born in Bethlehem this day. And God, we give you thanks for all the gifts that you have given to us through him. We, we praise you, Lord, for his birth, for how he lived his life serving you, for, for how um, in obedience and love he gave himself over to death, even the death on a cross, and he did it for us, opening to all people the way to eternal life. Lord, we say thank you, thank you, thank you for your indescribable gift. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy and strong name. And all God's people said, amen. amen.